Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now, or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again, wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Sarah Avon Stover podcast, a space to come home to your inner wisdom. I'm Sarah, best-selling author and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And this podcast was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations about all different facets of the feminine spiritual journey. But above all, I created this because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear her inner wisdom, she's able to live her true path in the world. I hope this podcast helps you do just this. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I hope you all are staying well out there. As the world continues to shift and change at a quickening pace. And today I'm going to do something a little bit differently. And that is that I'm doing a solo episode 
to acknowledge the 10-year anniversary since the publication of my first book, The Way of the Happy Woman. And this episode is actually going to be broken into two episodes where I speak about the 10 things that I've learned in the past 10 years. On this episode, I'll speak of the first five of those things. And then in another one that will come shortly after this, I'll speak about the the second half, the second five. And I thank you for being part of this celebration with me, whether you've just met me now or you've known me for many years. And another way that I'm celebrating this anniversary is I am bringing my women's yoga and meditation teacher training online this fall. And I first started offering this maybe seven to 10 years ago. I was the first that I'm aware of to lead a women's yoga teacher training. And I've taught it in different variations, different formations, different different parts of the world over the years. And now for the first time ever, I'm bringing it all online to make it even more accessible. And so you don't have to travel somewhere. You don't have to pay the expense of the airfare and a resort, and you can do it over uh, the weekends, over a handful of weekends. And this time also for the first time, it's going to be a 200 hour yoga Alliance training. So if you want that professional accreditation, it's available to you. Or if you just want to be part of this training to deepen your own practice and experience of women's yoga and meditation, this is also for you. So if you are interested in this, you can get on the early notification list by heading to sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag teacher training list. That's sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag teacher training list. And the link to that will be in the show notes. And this training will take place over four three-day weekends from September to January. So you can sign up for that early notification list and you'll be the first to know when it's here. And I will also share more as we get closer. So now for today's conversation, 10 things I've learned in 10 years. The first one, number one, is I've learned how to heal trauma. And I think the meta theme here is I've learned how to heal. And I, 10 years ago, I didn't really understand how much trauma I had. And I am, people have always reflected back to me, even from when I was a little girl, that I was an old soul in a young body, although now I'm not, my body's not so young anymore. Um, my, my book came out when I was, first book came out when I was 33 and a half, and now I'm 43 and a half. And I, I experienced a lot of trauma in my childhood growing up in a family where there was alcoholism, there was verbal and emotional abuse, I had eating disorders, and I've also had a fair amount of adult trauma, um, narcissistic and emotional abuse, some sexual abuse, eating disorders, an abortion. And I've learned over this past decade just what trauma feels like in my system 
And in the past, I think, actually, I know that I just thought that that was how I was. That was just my experience of reality. But as I've done a lot of deep work in healing my own trauma and now helping other women to heal theirs, I see that a lot of what I felt was actually this this trauma that hadn't yet been accessed or released from my system. And that's not to say that I don't have any more trauma and that I won't have any more trauma. I think this, I know that this is a lifelong process and it is peeling away layers of an onion. However, I do feel so much more grounded in myself, in my body on this planet and that I have much more access to parts of myself that were blocked off, locked off because of trauma. Because what trauma is, it's the way that our system responds to challenging events. And when we don't have the resources that we need and the support that we need at that time, those memories just get locked off in our bodies and but when but when we have the internal capacity to meet them along with external support then those experiences can be released and metabolized by the system and there can be a lot more freedom and fluidity in body heart and mind as a result and certainly when my first book came out at age 33, I had done a lot of work on myself. I started psychotherapy when I was 16. I had been doing practicing yoga since I was 17, practicing meditation since I was 21. And those things I realized don't necessarily heal trauma. Uh, they help to strengthen the container of the body and the mind especially when practiced in a non-rigid way, they, they can actually um, create more barriers if they're practiced in a rigid way, especially in the ways that more of the patriarchal systems of yoga and meditation offer. But if they're practiced in a more feminine way, they can soften the defensive structures of our personalities and of our bodies so that new layers can of the onion can come to the surface. However, we need specific tools when those new layers come to the surface. And like I said, I've been doing talk therapy for many decades, but talk therapy didn't work to help with the trauma is top down experience. And I've found over these past several years that what really works for me for healing trauma is a, a form of therapy called internal family systems or IFS, which is really just taking off around the world in a lot of different ways. And I've mentioned this on other podcast episodes. There's one in particular that I recorded on eating disorders and addiction and trauma and IFS. So I encourage you to, to look back a few episodes from here to listen to that if you're interested. So IFS has helped me tremendously to heal, to metabolize trauma, both from my adult life and also my teenage years and my childhood. 
And uh, that is a form of therapy that I am trained in now and that I work with women on. And what I had also found over my years of working with women is that I would reach a point with them when we would we would get to trauma and I didn't I didn't have the tools, the the therapeutic tools to really help to release that trauma. And I was still working on that in myself. And so something that that I am acknowledging that I've cultivated over this past decade is actually the felt sense in my own system of what it's like to access and heal trauma, not once, but many times over, and then having the felt experience experience of doing that with other women in very tender life situations and old traumas and new traumas. Something else that has helped with healing trauma is the therapeutic use of MDMA, uh, which is also gaining a lot of popularity. There's so many um, studies, evidence-based studies that are available now around this, and there's hopefully a movement towards legalization of this because I found it so, so, so useful for healing PTSD, which I had after a series of traumatic events several years ago and also releasing trauma from the body and especially for us as women trauma that we hold in our reproductive organs from various things like abortion or sexual abuse or fertility treatments or just ancestral traumas that we carry traumatic birth um, baby loss or miscarriage so therapeutic use of mdma has been really life-changing for me and it's it's been like many many years of therapy in one afternoon and um overall in terms of this this first piece of learning how to heal trauma and the meta topic of learning how to heal i just really learned that healing takes time that healing requires a lot of patience a lot of tenderness a lot of perseverance. It usually takes longer than we think it will or than we want it to. And to really embrace that there's not really an end to healing, <laughs> that uh, we're on a lifelong healing journey, and that we also need a lot of support. So I feel so grateful for all the support that I've had on my journey. Uh, particularly over these past 10 years, because a lot of times what happens for us is in our 20s, we start to enter into adulthood and we can have a lot of really wonderful experiences, but it's when we start to come into our early 30s that shadow material and trauma that hasn't been processed starts to come to the surface. So my my adult journey so far has showed me that the decade of my 30s and into my early 40s has really been about healing trauma and integrating shadow. And now I am in a place of much more integration, much more authenticity after having integrated these things and shed the parts of myself that were never really me. So I'm sure I'll get into that more in the next nine, nine things that I've learned. 
Number two, the second thing I've learned is how important connection and community are to me. One of my survival strategies from childhood, growing up in a family with alcoholics, was to isolate and withdraw. And Stan Tatkin, who teaches about attachment theory, he has a really wonderful audiobook with Sounds True called Your Brain on Love. And if you're in a partnership, a romantic partnership, whether it's new or long-term, I really encourage you to listen to that together. But he teaches about attachment theory and a method based on attachment theory for couples that he calls PACT. And he calls the attachment theory type um, for a person who isolates and withdraws, he calls that an island. So my, my way of navigating the world was to be more of an island. And when things felt overstimulating or unsafe, my tendency was to leave the mainland, pull up the drawbridge and go to my island. I'm also very introverted by nature. But more and more as I get older, I realize and as I shed aspects of my false personality, which are defensive structures that I created to help me to survive and to help me to protect myself from more trauma as I start to shed the things that were more adaptive strategies and allow the authenticity of Sarah to come forth and for me to have curiosity and wonder about who I really am, the more I realize how much I need and thrive from deep connection and community. And how really the key to that for me is connection with the right kind of people. I prefer deep conversations to small talk. I can handle very, very minimal small talk. <laughs> but deep conversations, I can stay up all night having deep conversations. I can, I can talk and talk and talk if we're really talking about these deeper issues in life. And I can also do that with people who love and accept me for who I am. And that allows more of who I am to come forward into the surface and to feel safe. After years in my early life when I just didn't feel like it was safe to be who I was. So I've learned that connection is deeply healing, that it's an essential nutrient for my life. And also that conversation and togetherness help me to process things. And when I went through some traumatic life challenges several years ago, I really forced me to break out of my self-reliant structure and to lean on other people. I was in so much grief and so much shock and so much disarray that it was hard for me to be alone. There was so much anxiety when I was alone and I had to call people a lot. I had to text people a lot. I had to ask for help a lot. Ask, can I come over to your house? Can you come over to my house? And that experience, while it was incredibly challenging, it really helped me to get more comfortable with being vulnerable. And in life, there is no reward without some risk. And I had to take the risk and to ask for things from people 
Whereas in the past, because I was afraid of rejection, I just learned to lean on myself. And it also helped me to see who my real friends were and who it was in my life who could really be there for me, who was willing to be there for me, who wanted to be there for me. And while this was another challenging aspect of that kind of life crisis time, I did a big relationship and friendship cleanup, and it was very clarifying to to see who my real friends were. And while I lost, I lost a number of friends during that time. I also gained new friends, and I also learned the criteria through which I want to select friends and to keep friends and cultivate friendships. And ultimately, while I'm naturally a very quiet person, and I really, as an introvert, I I recharge with quiet time, when in the right situation, I'm incredibly talkative, and I find talking therapeutic, and especially when that deep listening and attunement is also present. And now, one of my just core values in life is connection and community and cultivating community. And 10 years ago, that was not on my radar at all. I've also learned that connection and community can be with non-humans, like my dog or my ancestors or my plants or the elements. And I learned that I can even talk out loud to the spirit realm and to animals and to the earth, and that that can also be a really satisfying dimension of connection and community. The third thing that I've learned is how to self-validate and how to let go of the need, the excessive need for external validation. My career over my adult life you know, since my early 20s has been around healing and personal growth, and particularly helping women to connect with their inner wisdom. And, you know, we teach what we most need to learn. And I know that this, my life is about healing the healing process. I am kind of the archetype of the wounded healer. And I have been on a journey, a personal journey that has really challenged me to connect with my inner wisdom in in deeper and deeper ways. And when I went through these crises in my late 30s, which I now understand is my midlife transition or my initiation into the second half of my life, I went through a really elaborate several year process of shedding my false personality, which like I shared earlier is, or my defensive structures that were built up when I was young because of wounding and trauma, and that aren't essential to me. So shedding those in order to prepare me for my life task, which is what my soul is here to do. And that's not to say that my false personality is gone forever. (laughs) No, but I have so much more awareness of it and awareness of what triggers it and access to what is beneath and beyond my false personality. So it's, I'm coming from a very different place 
than I used to. And there's no judgment about where I was coming from before. That's where I was. That was just the perfect place for me at that particular stage of my journey. And now, 43, 10 years after my first book came out, I'm in a very different place. And so much of my career, while it's been authentic in so many ways, I see in retrospect that it, aspects of it were also built around external validation. And part of my defensive structure was um, performative and really needing and wanting praise and recognition and uh, to be in the spotlight and when and while some parts some the some of those aspects are intrinsic to me and authentic to me I think that there's a way that I can enter into them also from a truer way which is what I'm exploring now and as I'm stepping onto the other side of my midlife transition and something that also inhibited my my ability to self-validate was some narcissistic abuse that I suffered in a relationship that I was in in my 30s where there was a lot of gaslighting and where my internal compass was telling me certain things and I would say those and my partner would say that those weren't true and now I work with a lot of women who who are recovering from narcissistic abuse or who, who are trying to get out of those relationships and are going through that same process of how do I rewire this self-validation circuit to really trust my experience, um, to not be confused by my perception of reality, to not doubt my perception of reality. So there is a really deep initiation for me in that process of really healing and knowing my self-validation process and my trusting my experience and my life and my perception of reality to be true. And through this, I also learned how to be my best cheerleader, to support and believe in myself, even when maybe no one else did or very few others did. My ability to be there, to be here for myself, even in my darkest, hardest moments. I built a tremendous capacity to love myself, to stay with myself, to affirm myself, and to come to a place where what I think about myself or how I feel about myself is what's most important. And Honoring myself is top priority over getting prestige or recognition from other people. And that wasn't always the case. There were times when I would do things because I thought other people wanted me to do them or because I thought they would look good or they would help to build my career. But now I know it's just the cost of that is not worth it. It has to really be important to me in order for me to use my life force towards that. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't get triggered by criticism, external criticism, but it means that now I don't 
get triggered nearly as much. It's like the difference between a paper cut and a slash with a knife that I need stitches from. It's just the criticism doesn't cut nearly as deep. I rebound much more quickly. And that's, for me, that is indicative of the deep healing work that I've done to just go into the roots and to those younger parts of myself who would be so so overwhelmed by criticism and the defensive structures that were built up to protect those little ones um, and to just keep me from feeling the effect of that at all costs. The fourth thing that I've learned is how to navigate the unknown. This is a big one. There was a stretch of about a year maybe two during my midlife transition when I literally could not make any plans. And I am a big planner. I'm a very organized person. I, it's just one of my intrinsic skills to be able to plan. And it was like life was backing me into a corner and tying my wrists and gagging me. And just saying, yeah, you're good at this. And yeah, you've relied on planning a lot in your life. And you're not allowed to do that right now. So there was a stretch of time where I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know how I was going to make a living. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And when I did try to plan something, it would backfire or it would just be a dead end or there'd be a huge obstacle. And so finally, what I realized was like, I, okay, this is, it's not because I'm doing anything wrong. It's not about trying harder here. It's not about efforting more. It's about just standing still, stopping, and not trying, and being where I am. That was one of the greatest learning opportunities in my life. It was profoundly uncomfortable, and I took the medicine that all that I could do was stay in the moment and feel what I was feeling, be in my experience exactly as it was, and face what was directly in front of me. And so once I realized what was happening at that bigger level, like what life was was really asking of me, I was able to, to yield. And the yielding wasn't necessarily pretty. <laughs> you know, there were tears, there was frustration, there was fear, there was anger anger that I just looked around and saw people living life normally and planning things and complaining about how they were in the unknown, even though they were so not compared to to the depth of the unknown that I was in. And I just had to accept it, to endure it, to weather it, to survive it. And now, while I'm still in the unknown, I mean, 
far less of the unknown than I used to be. There's a lot more solid in my life now than not. I am also acknowledging that we're in a time in history where likely for the rest of my life, for for the rest of our lives, we're going to be in the unknown because things are changing so much. So I realized that life was preparing me for the rest of my life, preparing me to help other people to make peace with the unknown, to navigate the unknown. And a lot of times I would just, I would lean into my meditation practice where those of you who practice meditation with me, you know that we rest in our belly centers There's also a guided meditation on this podcast for resting in your belly center. And so in my meditation or just different times of the day, I would just stop. And if I could, I would close my eyes and I would breathe into my belly. So why don't we all do that right now? If you can, close your eyes. Breathe into your belly, especially your lower belly about two inches below your navel. And just say, acknowledge to yourself, I don't know. I don't know. I really, really don't know. So pausing in the momentum of life at times and just acknowledging that to myself helped. Even if I had to do that many, many times a day over many, many months and years. And then when COVID came just over a year ago and the rest of the world was in a similar space, suddenly the rest of the world was thrust into the unknown, not able to make plans I felt that that was actually easier for me because I was used to it. It's like, oh, the world is now feeling how I have been feeling for a long time. (laughs) And there was something reassuring about not being alone in that anymore, but also having a certain amount of dexterity in the unknown and seeing that I was, I was able to feel resourced in that space and, and be a resource for other people. And now there's a way that I kind of like it. And it's kind of exciting to stay loose and to, to not know where my life is taking me, to not know what's going to happen next, and to be open to possibility and to just feel alive at the prospect of partnering with the mystery. I want to take a short break from today's conversation to tell you about a six-week series I'm teaching online this summer called Changing with Grace, A Woman's Path Through Life's Transitions. We've all heard it, that change is the only constant in life. And while change is inevitable, growth is most certainly a choice. And just because this is true doesn't mean it's easy. Change I know, you know, is hard. Globally, we are all undergoing a great change. What was no longer is here, and what's to be is not yet here. 
And given this level of uncertainty, which will likely be present in different ways, larger degrees for the rest of our lives, how do we navigate the unknown while staying deeply anchored in ourselves? Plus, as women, we're intimately linked with change from our flexing hormones and ever-changing bodies to aging, relationships, our work, family, identities. All of this change can bring up fear, doubt, nostalgia, anger, anxiety, confusion, depression, disorientation, as well as excitement because even positive change can be challenging at times. And since this change isn't going anywhere, how can we learn to be with it more gracefully? How can we accept it, move with it, partner with it, even when it's unwelcome, to still create a life that feels true and fulfilling? Over these six weeks, we'll come together as a community to support, challenge, and witness one another in the exploration of change. Doing this within a conscious community is far easier than doing it on our own. By applying ancient wisdom teachings and practical embodied psychological tools to our modern day changing inner and outer landscapes, we'll fill ourselves with more reserves and strength to weather life's changes with grace. We start on June 23rd. And to learn more, head to sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag change. That's sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag change. sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag change. I look forward to sharing space with you then and there. And now back to today's conversation. The fifth thing that I've learned over the past 10 years is how to show up regardless of how I feel. And this was a big one for me. And I think it's actually a really big one for women in general. There have been so many days in the past several years when I felt like I was on death's door, but I still had to show up. I had to show up to lead an in-person retreat for 25 people who had flown in from around the world. I had to show up to lead an online class, to meet with a client one-on-one, to do a podcast interview with someone, to talk to my accountant. I I had to show up for so many people in so many ways on so many days when that was the last thing I wanted to do, when I just wanted to stay in bed, hide under the covers, and just not deal with the world. So when I was in grief, when I was in rage, when I was exhausted from insomnia, when I was heartbroken, when I could, as I mentioned, hardly even get out of bed, I knew that I needed to get up and keep going and do what I needed to do regardless of how I felt. And while I'm a big proponent, which you all know, if you've read my books, if you've been listening to this podcast, if you've taken any of my online courses over the past 12 years, you know I'm a huge proponent of listening to one's body and caring for oneself and just the huge 
need and importance for this feminine nurturance in our individual lives and in the world to not override our experience. And I'm also so grateful for this initiation of needing to also activate my masculine agency to show up for the responsibilities in my life, no matter how I felt. And that that showing up was not overriding. It was acknowledging, oh, sweetheart, yes, we are feeling so heartbroken today. We are feeling so angry today. We are feeling so tired today. I feel you. I hear you. I know this is hard. And this is what we have to do today. So we're going to get up, we're going to do this thing. And then later on today, we're going to do some self care, we're going to take a bath, we're going to get in bed early, we're going to call a friend, we're going to go to the therapy session, whatever it was, go for a walk. So it was really about both and rather than either or. And ultimately, it ended up being a very, very empowering learning And it gave me a lot of confidence in my capacity to be able to show up in a deep way, in a still very effective and potent way, even if I felt internally just prior to going live or stepping into the room that I was a complete mess. So it it built my capacity to to show up and to hold myself, to hold the the most tender parts of myself, the, the hurting parts of myself, and still bring my gifts to the world in a tremendous way. And now I know that no matter what happens in my life or how I feel, I can show up in my fullest sense for whatever life is asking of me. And that is a huge, huge gift. And now when, if I'm, you know, in a leadership position and managing people, or I'm working with women one-on-one or answering a question in a big group program, and someone sharing something similar to me, I know that I can encourage them to start to learn the same, to lean into the practice, the the massive skill set of learning to show up no matter what. So these past several years really gave me a chance to, to master that. And we've reached the end of the first half of the 10 things I've learned over the past 10 years. I will be back soon for the other half of this conversation. And if what I've shared here has sparked anything for you, I welcome you to let me know. Send me an email, hello at sarahavonstover.com, and let me know what's coming alive for you. Or do some journaling and see, wow, you know, you might not have been on as intense of a journey as I was over these, this past decade, but no doubt you've gone through changes yourself and to see, well, what, what have I learned as a result of these changes? Thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of my journey. And I will see you very soon for part two. Thank you so much for joining me and for taking this time out for yourself. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way other women who might enjoy it can better find it. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.